Let's just pray for the reading of the word and for Glenn as he brings God's word to us. Father, we thank you that we can be here again, gathered together in your name. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we have to be here, to read your word, to sing praises to you and to listen to the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with Glenn as he brings your message to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. The fellowship of the believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. You're on. Okay. Good to be uh, here preaching this morning. Over the uh, last few weeks, I've been able to preach, so this is get to preach four weeks in a row, and so this is week three. I've been uh, reading a book uh, lately by uh, Tim Chester and Steve Timmis called uh, Everyday Church. I think we've got a picture of it. There we go. Um, it's called Everyday Church and I think it's called, uh, they've got a little phrase underneath, uh, mission by being good neighbours. Uh, as we uh, have been trying to um, live as a missional community out of our place around Ringwood, um, I've always been captured by this idea of um, everyday church and what that might look like. If, if our missional community ever became a church or a church plant, I think I'd call it everyday church. Everyday church for everyday people or something like that. Um, so we've been on this journey over the last couple of years uh, exploring um, what it means for us to be a missional community, for us to be um, Christians with our neighbours and friends and those that God brings into uh, our community. Uh, we've been building relationships with uh, neighbours and friends and colleagues. We've been um, seeking to share the gospel and um, inviting people to be part of the community. And it's an interesting journey. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like uh, there are a few steps forward and then many times it seems like there are steps backward. 
um, people sort of drift in close to us and they express uh, interest in the gospel and the community and you think God's at work and then a couple of weeks later they drift off and we don't see them for months or weeks at a time and then God brings them back in. Uh, so there's, there's three of us families at the moment, or Christian couples, so there's uh, Coraline and myself, um, Rob and Frida, um, and our neighbours, Ricard and Lisey, who are the, the Christian couples, and we've been sort of praying and striving and relating uh, with those around us, seeking God for transformation in our area, uh, and seeing what God does uh, amongst us and through us. And so lots of stories to tell, lots of uh, interesting things that have been happening. So um, as I was reflecting, I, I, I thought I'd just bring some observations that God, I think, laid on my heart. And we'll go to the next slide. These are some observations that I've experienced as I've interacted with neighbours, um, uh, been working at Bunnings and interacting with sort of everyday Aussies in that environment. Um, and I reckon this statement is true. People don't want to come to church, but they're willing to hang out with Christians. That's sort of what I'm finding at the moment. So if I invite people to things or to church things and stuff like that, they're often resistant. Uh, but they're actually more than happy to hang out with Christians. It's a rather ironic statement that <laughs> I think it's, it's been profound. God sort of locked it in my head. <laughs> um, the next one is um, as we've been seeking to live this out together, uh, the recognize, I recognise that we as Christians need to hear the gospel and we need the church every day. Um, it's probably one that um, I had missed a little bit and that God uh, had laid on our hearts. And the third one is um, that though these things tend to happen uh, in everyday life more so than on at, at, at events that we put on. Uh, it's in sort of the everyday sort of um, relationships and connections that we have that these things um, live themselves out is my observation. And I see this uh, in our missional community in Ringwood as I've been sort of interacting there, but I also see it very much in Cavell um, with the people that God brings there and that we're interacting with in their place. I don't know how many times I've invited people to church services or events and stuff like that, um, which people don't tend to come to, but um, they're quite happy to hang out with us as Christians and to talk to us about Christian things um, in different environments, uh, whether it be at Cavell over a meal or in their homes or in our homes, um, things like that. Um, it takes time, I think, to, to recognise, to build relationships, relationships of trust. Um, it's been interesting. I've just clocked over a year uh, that I've been working in Bunnings. Um, and I reckon I can count on one hand, so maybe five conversations during that year that went deeper than talking about tools or football. Um, and it, it's really confronted me about 
how hard it is to actually have deeper conversations with people that I don't spend a lot of time with. Um, because I, I am only there sort of three shifts a week and stuff like that, and they're different people. And just realising how long it takes to build relationship and make connection and to understand uh, other people's stories. The other thing that's caught me by surprise, which is that middle one, is that as we've been living out this missional community and seeking what, is to realise how much caring we need to do for one another. And that over these last couple of years, um, we have had so much going on in our own lives, Coral and I as a couple, Rob and Frida, um, Rickart and Lisi, that we have spent... <laughs> almost more time praying for each other and ministering to each other than we have uh, other people that God's bringing into. Our, and that we actually need the church every day. Um, just this week, um, Rickard popped over. He lives next door and this one of the joys of that. popped over and we had a prayer time together because they were just going through some really tough times together. Um, I remember the journey going through Dad's cancer battle and death and people supporting us in that. And Rob and Frida getting married and merging families together and how much we've sort of prayed and sought to support each other and encourage each other in that. And it's been um, a great experience of God Full stop. <laughs> a great experience of God as we've cared for and loved one another and support. And, um, and what I have noticed is that those that live around us or that interact in and out of our community are actually impacted by that. And they actually see the way that we love one another and care for one another and how we pray for each other and seek God in that and that that um, is a powerful influence. So... As I've been sort of reflecting on that and um, I was asking God sort of what to preach on, this passage in Acts came up for me and it got me wrestling with um, what does it mean for us to be the church every day? And I got this sense that God actually wanted me to bring this to the churches that I'm preaching at. So I did last week in Langmore and you this week, next week in Mount Evelyn. And I want us, and I, and I believe that God's uh, coming to us today and saying, what does it mean for you to be church every day? What is it? He wants you to answer that question. And as we go through this message, as we wrestle with this passage, again, ask the Holy Spirit, and we can do this, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and ask, what does this look like in my life? How, or, and, it, and much of it is you may, you may already be doing, um, but you know, maybe what's something new or something fresh that God wants to speak to you about what that looks like. I thought of it this week. I thought... Um, if you had this conversation with someone, someone from work or your family or your neighbour came to you, say, yesterday on Saturday and said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? And you said, plucked up the courage and said, oh, actually, I'm going to church. Um, and they ask you this question, church, what's that? What would you answer? How would you answer that question? Church, what's that? And what I find in my own life and in, in, in Christian circles, that we tend to answer that question by all the stuff we do, rather than actually who we are. And there's a, there's a subtle shift in language when you start to talk about what we do, rather than who we are. 
And that's um, hopefully as we go through this passage a little bit, we'll sort of start to play around um, with that uh, a bit. So it got me, uh, we'll go to the next slide. It got me wrestling this. I meet with a guy called uh, Nathan, Nathan Oliver. He uh, is leading a, ch- a church plant called The Church Next Door, which I think is an excellent name for a church. Um, and I was talking to him about um, missional community stuff, and then he said this to me. He said, he said, Glenn, if you think you're doing this because it's the next best mission strategy to help the church grow, you're in sin. <laughs> I was like, ooh, oh, oh. Um, I don't think he quite, I can't remember exact words, but it was like this. Uh, And then he said, a missional community actually flows out of a deep theological conviction of who we are as the people of God and how we live that out together every day. And that's actually just really made me, I think God convicted me about that because I was thinking that missional community was just me doing some missional exploration. that, But no, it was actually more about an understanding of who God is and who we are as his people and how do we actually live that out every day. Um, and it's been yeah, sort of confronting. And as I've been looking at this passage and thinking about this passage, uh, the question I ask myself is, um, what, what do I think the church looks like in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne in 2019? What is that? What is that? And that we need to actually wrestle with that of a church. What does it look like for me to need the church every day, to be in a, a position that I can't live without it? What does that look like? What sort of behaviours do I have? What sort of thinking do I have around that? That if the church is the people of God... Uh, how is that reflected in the way that I organise my calendar and my time and who I connect with? That we recognise that what we're doing right now is not church. Okay? Sunday, a Sunday service is not church. Okay? The church is the people. Of, and this is where I, it's a little bit playing around with language because I still invite people to church. But it, I, I want us to really wrestle with that because it actually starts to communicate something that is, I think, slightly skewed. Um, Because actually, what this is this morning is the church gathered. That's what we're we're doing this morning. The church is gathered, and we're um, worshipping God, we're interacting with each other, we're uh, praying, we're seeking God, we're hearing from him. Um, And then what happens as we leave this place is is the church sent, or the the church... The church, um, yeah, sent. <laughs> and, and the church this week is active in all the different suburbs and places and spaces that you occupy. Uh, and God is at work through, in and through his church in those places. Uh, we still will have events. Events are part of church life, but they don't define who we are. And so we actually need to think about language around that and, and, and play uh, with that a bit. Um, I probably realise and experienced this powerfully over the last six months is that I need a daily interaction with the church. I need my brothers and sisters to interact with me and remind me of the gospel, remind me of who God is and who I am, to encourage me, to build me, to lift me up. And so I, I 
to crave that. Here's the other thing. I, I thought to myself this week, do the 30 or 40 people that live within 50 metres of my house, so if you think people that live within 50 metres of your house, two houses up, two houses down, across or whatever, do they know that the most powerful, influential entity that's ever existed, <laughs> the church, is in their neighbourhood? And how would they know that? Have they actually had interaction? Have they experienced the love of God or the connection with um, his people, the church? Do they know that the church is next door? Do they know that the church is active Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Um, so we'll go to the next slide. Where are we? We're going to look at this passage uh, Acts 2. So often what happens when we read this passage, uh, we do two things usually. Uh, one, we dismiss it. We say, oh yeah, that was back then. That was the first century church. That was then. That doesn't apply now. Things have changed. So that's often what we do. Um, or we sort of jump the other side, and I tend to do this a lot, is oh, we've got to go and recreate that. We've got to go and sell all our stuff. We've got to go and live, move, move into a commune together or live in a caravan or something like that. And we've got to, um, but I think uh, what we're, we're seeing and experiencing knows that the gospel helps us um, or what the gospel does, it speaks to us and it wants us to, uh, what's the word, contextualise. <laughs> so it takes this passage and it says, what does, that look, what does this passage say to the church in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne in 2019? And it's very specific. We've got to think about what that looks like for us because it would look different if we were in the outer western suburbs of Melbourne in 2019. But what does it look like for us here in this place at this time? Um, so uh, what I'm going to do is we're just going to rapid fire through this passage and we're going to look at all the things that the church were doing in this passage, and we're going to ask ourselves the question, and this is what I want you to ask yourselves today, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this place, is how do each one of those look like in my church life this week? Or you know, how, what, what, what sort of principles of play, what are the things that God wants us to live out as a church um, in Melbourne, 2019, eastern suburbs, uh, around each of these things. Uh, so the sermon title is uh, Everyday Church, and I have about 13 points, which are each of these phrases. So we're just going to rapid fire through them. Um, and so uh, we're going to ask God, as we expose to them, how does this look? What does this look like for us as a church of one hope? What does this look like for my family? What does this look like for my life group or my grow group or my ministry? Um, so let's go. The first one is uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. What I want to do here is just pause on this word devotion. And so the question I ask is how devoted to you, oh, sorry, how devoted are you? to God and his church. And so the idea of um, that the word devotion is um, a commitment of love. I am Just think about what that word means. If, what, think about the things that you might be devoted to. You might be devoted to husband or wife, or you might be devoted to a sports team, or you might be devoted to, um, I don't know, a hobby or something like that. And what does that look like? It usually works that there is a commitment of love and sacrifice to that. 
And so um, in my everydayness, as I live out my life as a Christian, as I live out or as we live out as the people of God, what does devotion look like to God and to the people you're sitting with now? What does that look like? Um, how devoted to God and to each other? And this question, this continued reminder of uh, who is God um, and a commitment to us as his family. And uh, Peter does that in the passages before and after the passage that we just read. Peter spends a lot of time in the passages explaining to the people in Acts that this is happening with. He explains to them who God is and who they are. And so he goes back through and he goes back to Abraham um, and David and he talks about the prophets and the promised Messiah and he comes back to him and says Jesus was the Messiah um, and um, the Holy Spirit is now being poured out in the church. That's what you're experiencing, young, old, male, female. We are now the spirit-filled people of God and you're experiencing this. Later on, Peter, in, in, in his letters to the churches, which are a powerful letter, that talks about how you live church every day. It's a, that book that I was talking about, Everyday Church, is actually based on the letter 1 Peter. He says in that, he just reminds them again, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... Now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And he goes on to say, you're a living temple. The Holy Spirit now lives in you. This is who God is. This is, um, the people. This is what the people of God look like. And so as we hear that truth, we ask, what does my devotion to that look like? What is my commitment of sacrificial love to God and his people. What did that look like this week? A bit of a think. What's it going to look like in the week to come? See, the devotion they have is not to please God or to make their church better. Their devotion that they had was because of who God was and who they were in Jesus. And they now, as recipients of the power of power of the Holy Spirit, actually had the power to live it out every day. And so, we'll go to the next slide, is uh, teaching. The first thing that they devoted themselves to was uh, the apostles' teaching. And we get this uh, right through the book of Acts, right through the New Testament, that Jesus becomes the focus. Jesus' life, death, resurrection um, is the focus, and that is put into the big story of God. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, what does it look like for me? What does it look like for us as God's people to be a learning community? Because if teaching is happening, what is it, how have I learnt this week? What teaching have I sat under this week? What does everyday learning look like for me? Um, how have I interacted with God's word? How have I had discussions with my grow group or my life group or my neighbours about who God is and the truth of who I am because of him. 
And what we see um, through all of the New Testament, pretty well through the Bible actually, is that often that happens every day. It's not something we just gather for on Sunday, is it? So right from back day one, parents are told that you've got to teach this to your, parent, to your kids every day. Um, when Jesus models it with his disciples, he's doing it. Where does he do it? Not in a gathered. He does it as he's walking the road, as he's doing life, as they're going around from place to place, as they're um, interacting with people. He's teaching them um, how the Bible interacts with this. He's teaching them the big story of God as, um, we do, as, as he goes with them. So we ask ourselves the question, um, how am I learning? And then also, maybe who's teaching me? Um, we pick up as we go through the New Testament that people, the church is given spiritual gifts. There are people who have gifts of teaching, gifts of preaching, gifts of um, encouragement. Um, who are those people that I'm seeking out? Or how is we as a church encouraging those people to do that? And it's not just here what I'm doing. It's in my DNA group, in my life group, in my youth ministry or... How are we um, encouraging a place of teaching? What does that look like on Wednesday this week? Have a think about that. What does it look like for you to learn or to be a teacher on Wednesday this week? Um, I've been really encouraged um, through people in the office sharing podcasts, uh, Joel and Philippa and, and Scott and others sharing podcasts. And I've been getting into, I've, been, I've probably listened more to sermons now than I ever have in my life. Because they're so accessible. And so we actually live in 2019, in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne, we live in a time where we can receive great teaching. And we can get it pretty well 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, so what podcasts do you subscribe to? <laughs> Uh, what are good books that you're reading at the moment? How are you encouraging uh, each other with those? I think are ways that we can think... Um, that's how it could look each week, every day of the week. So I'm not getting up here giving you a model the way to do church. That's why I said at the start, you need to ask God, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what does that look like for me this week? I think there is also a collective, what does that look like for us as a church collectively? So you could apply that to your DNA group, your life group, your ministry, or for us as a church collective. Uh, the next one that they go to, oh, yeah, no, I'll leave that. Uh, the next one that they go to is that they were devoted to the fellowship. Um, and we hear this word around church circles, and I think my best description of it is that it's a spiritual community of love. I think that's what fellowship is. Um, so it's more than, say, a sporting group or a hobby group that just has common interest or a political party that might have a common... There's actually a spiritual connection um, that uh, is... So it's actually a supernatural entity. There's something sort of um, spiritual and, uh, and it's, an ex it's a place where we receive and experience love. Um, and so have a think about that in terms of your week. How do you give and receive love to the people that you're sitting with this morning? And uh, I've talked on this, we did this at Generate early on this year, I think, with the, all the one anothering verses. I think the Bible's really clear on tells, this is what it looks like seven days a week. This is what it looks on Thursday. 
It's love one another, teach one another, care for one another, rebuke one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, build up each other, show hospitality to one another, forgive one another, admonish one another, confess to each other, be kind to one another, comfort one another, serve one another. That's just some of them. Um, which ones did you do last week? And maybe just ask God which one you want to do this week. Just as a, as a what, might, what might that look like on Thursday? What might it look like to confess your sins to someone on Thursday? Rickart, my neighbour, and I um, had a confession session on our deck, back deck, drinking coffee. Um, and I, I realise how for many years I haven't taken that seriously and how I just tend to hide and push that away but the power of the church together is we actually can confess our sins to each other and that doesn't I'm not going to do it here I do it in different contexts so in my DNA group with Rob and Rickart and myself it looks very different than even in my life group where there's a bigger group or in this sort of place or gathering what does that look like uh, during your week one of the other ones that's really been confronting me is about um, how often it talks about admonishing one another and rebuking one another. <laughs> and how do we, when have I done that? And how do I do that? And what does that look like in my week? How do I... And I think it's, that's why we need a spiritual... We need spiritual power in order to do that. We need trust and relationship and connection. We'll go to the next one. Mm. Have we got a breaking bread? Yeah, we've got a breaking bread in there. Uh, breaking bread happens in this passage and um, I found a phrase that said something like, it cannot be determined whether this term refers to partaking of a normal meal together, having feasts of charity or a love feast together, they used to call it, or celebrating the Lord's Supper. And whenever, they can never really tell. And I think they tended to all happen a little bit together. Um, and um, the sacraments are a really important part of everyday church life. Uh, if we think about baptism, that's sort of happening in and around this passage as well. Baptism was a sign uh, and a seal into the family. It had lots of significance around the story of God and how we fitted into the story of God. It was an identity thing in terms of being born again into the family of God. Um, and sacrifice, uh, sorry, the Lord's Supper was a remembering thing, a remembering of who God was and particularly remembering Jesus, keeping him uh, centre of uh, the way we did church every day. And the way I like to picture um, what happened a little bit around their gatherings is that um, I suspect that they were having a meal together, like just an, an, they've got their friends around and they're having a meal together and they're eating and drinking, and somewhere during that meal, someone would do a bit of a reflection around, oh, remember guys, remember that Jesus' body was broken for us. Remember that his blood was poured. Remember um, his life, his death and resurrection. And, it's and remember who we are now because of him, where the, the family of God and the Spirit lives with us. Um, 
And during those meals, there were probably people who were not Christian, part of that, watching that, observing that, receiving... It's like if you're offering hospitality to people. Um, and it's got me thinking about how we can use everyday things as ways to remember, and ways to, to worship, ways to connect us to the big story of God, understanding our identity, um, seeing where we fit in, um, in God's plan for the world. Uh, next one, prayer. What does everyday prayer look like? Um, most, yeah, most of uh, the New Testament references to prayer um, are not individual prayer. Okay, most of it is actually referring to how the church prays together, uh, whether it's again DNA group, life group, uh, broader church. What does that look like in your everyday? Uh, it was great this morning to join with the prayer team that meet over on Ecavel every fortnight to have a get together and pray for the church to seek God together. Um, it's great to um, to have people um, pop over during the week and pray for each other. Um, it's great to pray on the phone for one another. So why, during a conversation, actually, can I pray for you? And actually pray on the phone for one another. Uh, what does it look like in your week to pray every day? And are we reminding each other um, of the way that we have a loving Father who listens to us, who knows what's best. We have a loving Father who has the power to change our situation or to get it through us, or for us to get through it. And we're reminding each other that on the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In Acts, the church often gathered together and prayed through the night. What would that look like? I know some of us are talking about what does it mean for us as a church community to pray together more, to fast together more. Paul later on talks about praying continuously. I play around with this idea of what does that mean? And so lately my practice of praying continuously looks like this, particularly for the church. If one of you come into my mind during the week, I'll just say a short one or two sentence prayer for you. So as I'm going through my week, different people come up. And it's not like I sit down and pray half an hour for you, but it's that person, it's God's just brought to my mind, and I'll just pray. And I found myself praying a lot for the church this week. That's one way that I'm sort of practicing how I pray uh, for the church every day. Um, one of the other things is, are we known as a community that prays? Um, so one of the things that, um, that I've particularly tried to do is with my neighbours or friends that I've got connections with, depends what their life situation is, that I pray for them. One, I offer to pray for them right there and then. Um, some accept that, some don't. Um, I let them know that I have been praying for them. Um, that they actually know that we're a community of prayer. And as Joel shared early on, because we've got a loving father that hears our prayers and changes things because of it. Um, so why wouldn't we pray? Uh, next one, um, Oh, the other thing too, yeah, just on that, um, is that ask for prayer. We need to ask for prayer as well. So um, am I asking my church to pray for me every day? If I'm going into this situation, send off a text, pray, pray for me on this, or I really need help with this, can you pray for me on that? 
now we'll go to the next one. Wonders and miraculous signs. Uh, Jesus, I always remember Jesus says, um, you do not have because you do not ask. So sort of talking about the Spirit, but also talking about the power of the Spirit. What are we asking for? Are we praying for healing? Are we believing that God can actually do uh, supernatural things for us today? Um, and are we a community that um, recognises the supernatural power over evil that is rampant in our world, over sin, over big things and little things? Are we um, praying for a supernatural sense of God's grace to work through us? And here's the thing. The Bible is full of stories of the people of God talking about the power of God. So this is the question I've been asking people lately, been asking myself. If someone was to ask you, (laughs) how have you experienced the power of God the last week or month? How would you answer? So just have a think. How, if someone asks me, or I'm asking you now, how have you, how have you experienced the power of God in the last week or month? There's this great um, teaching, I think it com- comes out of um, Growing Kids God's Way, where they um, mark things by memorials. And it's a biblical principle where they had physical, physical reminders of remembering when God had done work. Uh, last week I, I shared, it ties in nicely to your prayer about the prayer book. Um, I think I've shared it here before. The house that we now live in, uh, when we were looking for a house, um, I never used to raise prayer requests during church and stuff like that. I know I had a stubborn heart or something like that. And um, uh, God convicted me once to raise my hand and say, we're actually looking for a house can you pray for me? Um, the church prayed for us. Um, Monday morning, I get one email on my inbox, and it's for the house that we now bought and live in. Um, and God just showed me <laughs> the power of a church that prays and just reminded me of my sort of stubbornness to get over that and to ask God to do things and ask his church to pray. And I've seen um, yeah, God work his story through us in that place where we now live. Here's the other thing. This is the other line that I put in there. We don't need to convince other people of God's power. Okay, just hear that. We don't need to convince other people of God's power. Uh, we'll proclaim it and we'll testify it and stuff like that. But the power of God works beyond uh, us. Because sometimes I think as Christians we want to force sort of, you've got to see, see that, see that. No, we can testify it, but we allow the God, God to work by his power in the hearts of individuals. Um, I've seen, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll go to the next one. Where are we up to? Together they had everything in common. This idea of sharing, and I think it's also unity in the gospel. Their togetherness was an understanding of who they were in Jesus. Um, um, what's different togethers mean? I don't know what that means. Anyway, I'll get, to, get down there. Um, I want to re- ask you the question of what, how have you shared with one another? Because I think in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne, we are very affluent we actually don't have a whole lot of needs in, in, physically. 
But then I got to myself thinking about what actually, where do I need help? What do I need help with? And when have I asked my church or the church to help me in that? And there was a sense of being willingness to, to share that, that need and have people um, minister to that need. There wasn't, and particularly, I think, in a culture in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne that is so individualistic that think we don't need one another. <laughs> We're actually doing quite okay. And, um, and it, it taps into the next one as well. We'll just flick onto the next one as well. Taps into the next one about the, the, the community seems to be characterised by a radical generosity. They were really generous to each other because they sold their properties and they gave to the church or to, to anyone that had need. And I thought to myself, what does radical generosity look like uh, in my context? And then, I think I've done this before, a pastor here in this church, is uh, issued us the challenge to sell something we possess and give the money to someone in need. Uh, I read this, I had this quote that I just captured my heart, is the love of property is one of the strongest affections which people can have. And I think, oh, that's true of me. Particularly in the out east of suburbs of Melbourne in 2019, I love my stuff. When have I been able to actually be devoted to God and devoted to his people to actually sell my stuff and give with a radical generosity. Um, so it's that, the sharing needs. <laughs> My neighbour's doing a renovation and I keep wondering why he doesn't ask me to come and help him. And then I thought, I did a renovation and I never asked him to come and help me. And this is this radical individualism <laughs> that we live in. Oh, we don't want to bother them or I'll just do it myself or whatever. I think, no, actually, I need to ask my neighbour to come and help me. I need, and, and there's something in that that displays the glory of God, of willing to be humble ourselves, willing to be real with one another. Uh, we'll go to the next one. Uh, every day they met together. Uh, so that's sort of where this sermon theme comes from. But this idea of what are your daily, weekly, monthly rhythms that connect you with the church outside Sunday and a fortnight life group. And that I recognise that in the busyness of our lives in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne in 2019, we actually need to plan for this. We actually need to plan how we're going to connect with one another. Um, there's some real beautiful things that's happened in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne in 2019 is that we have technology, so we have WhatsApp, and it's actually a great way to connect with one another and pray for one another and support each other. But how am I using that? <laughs> Who am I asking to um, pray with me? Um, you know, we've got calendars that I can actually now put into. We can actually do much more because we can actually program into, I need to have a coffee. Um, one of the churches that I was uh, talking to, they, they had a commitment, the church had a commitment to have three connections with someone from church I think it was each fortnight, something like that. So one it might be a coffee or it might be a meal or it might be just to catch up after church or something like that. Um, but wh what are my three connections with 
the church that I'm going to do during my everyday life. Um, I've really enjoyed the amount of coffee I've drunk over the last few years um, with people. What I recognise with this, the danger of us in the out eastern suburbs of Melbourne 2019, is that our lives are too busy and we don't have any free time. And so one of the beauties that I've experienced over the last couple of years of moving to part-time work is that my life is free to catch up with people. And God has spoken to me powerfully about this, about how many of the coffees that I've had that have been spontaneous and that I could actually respond to them because I had time to do that. I'm at a situation in my life where I can do that, but I think God is pushing me into that more. And I, I, one of the ways I think we as a church can contextualise this is actually freeing up our lives in order for us to connect with each other and those that God has placed within 50 metres of us. Um, plant, we'll go to the next one. Uh, they broke bread and ate in their homes. This sort of comes up again. Uh, again, um, with this one, plan. Pray and plan. Who does God want you to eat with? Who have you last had in your home from the church and from outside the church? Uh, build into a rhythm. Another excellent book that I've talked about lots by the same authors is A Meal with Jesus. Look at how many times Jesus ate and drank with people. I had a conversation with someone recently who was out at a party and they said, um, all my friends had drunk too much and um, they started talking and they started sharing all this stuff. And <laughs> and there's something about what happens when you eat and drink together. I'm not advocating going out and drinking too much. But there's something that happens in um, eating and drinking and that meal connection that fosters good connection. And I think we, we need to do it more because we live such individualistic, such um, high-pressured intense lives uh, what happens when you eat a meal together most times is life slows down because you know that pretty well for the next hour I'm just here with these people or maybe the challenge is how am I going to have slower meals with my family with my friends or because um, uh, and I think God and it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Because in, remember in the temple, God sets up a table and he calls it the table of meeting, isn't it? And on that meeting, there's bread and there's this almost this symbolic image that I want my people to come and sit down and have a meal with me and just connect with me and eat and drink with me. That sort of Lord's Supper image as well. Uh, go to the next one. Uh, with glad and sincere hearts... Um, uh, uh, I had a line here that Christians should, throw, should be able to throw the best parties. It's a bit corny. I didn't quite like it. It's, we should be able to um, show the best hospitality. And I think that best hospitality is something of a sincere attitude. It's actually being real with each other. And actually having people like my neighbours and friends and actually be able to say to them, I'm really struggling at the moment. Life's actually not that good and I've, I've actually got to cling to God <laughs> to get me through. It's really tough at the moment. Actually, my, my mind and my thinking is really negative and I need... And in that sense of actually being... But I have a hope and I have a joy in this place. Um, and I, but I do think 
the church should be a positive place. Don't you think? The culture should know that the church is a positive place. That we're real, we have hope. Yeah, we have struggles, but we have hope. And it's actually, life is enjoyable. We have a God that has made life enjoyable. And there are extremes, ups and downs in that. But overall, we have a God who is for us and with us. Don't be fake. We're not just shiny, happy people. I think in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne in 2019, the people around us need us to be real. And it's a, it's a powerful witness of the power of God. Uh, next one, praising God. Uh, how, as a church, in your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Saturday, do you praise God? Uh, it's interesting when they talk about worship in these passages, they don't talk about a Sunday gathering. They talk about worship in the context of everyday life. Later on, they pick up Sunday gatherings, and Sunday gatherings are important. But what does everyday worship like look like? Everyday worship looks like obedience. We obey because the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. So I want to live my life for the king, the way he's told me to live it. And so I do that. And in doing that, it brings him glory. Um, worship, praising God, is often about telling others what God has done. Whether that be Christians or non-Christians, we are a community that's characterised by every day talking about the activity of God, what he's done. Last one, enjoying the favour of all the people. Um, what does each person bring to your community? Uh, and I tapped into that already about the joy and positivity. Something that's really confronted me as I've sort of been interacting in Cavell and other places is what do other people have to bring? Because for me, I try and control it and I want to be the leader that organises stuff and I'm going to organise But what, when, I, when my neighbour, I said, can you bring that? <laughs> I've been asking um, our neighbours to bring food to our meals. What else do they have to contribute uh, to the community? What do I, this is a good question. Here we go. You can ask yourself this week. What do I enjoy about that person that God's just put in my mind? <laughs> someone from my church community, someone, what do I enjoy about? Maybe I should let them know, build them up. And the last slide. No, it's the second last. And there's this beautiful line at the end of this passage that says this every day, Oh, no, yeah. Every day, the Lord added to, those num- to their number those who were being saved. The church is the power of God to save. That's a contentious statement. Um, as it lives and proclaims the gospel every day. God has um, indwelled his church in us to be uh, an expression of him. And this is my line. Don't invite people to church. Invite them into the life of the church. Invite them into your lives. Invite them into a community that lives this out. You can still invite them here on Sundays, but how are you inviting them into experiencing that everydayness of who we are as God's people? I think in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne 2019, if we can live as the people of God, 
There is going to be, um, it will be a powerful statement of who God is. In the, our suburbs need, to, need it. We need it. Uh, and let's see what God does in glorifying us in that. There's this beautiful passage. Remember when we preached Acts, if you've been around for a while, we preached Acts ages ago and we used this theme, church alive, live church. Um, and that's the sense that we get in this passage is the church has come alive as the Holy Spirit's come on it. And now God says to his people, just go out and live this every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with each other so that my glory will be displayed that people will encounter the living God. Remember that verse when people were gathered together and the, the people from outside the church, they, those that were pagans and, and didn't have a connection with God, they said, surely the living God is amongst them. I think that's going to happen if we can live church every day, that our neighbours and our friends are going to say that there's something different about the way they live. There's something powerful about the God that they serve. Let's pray. Lord and God, we come to you as your people and again this morning we ask for your power to come upon us by your spirit. We ask that you would gift us with all your fruit. We ask that you would empower us and gift us uh, with your spiritual gifts. That we may be your people declaring your praises and living our lives for your glory. May you transform us into a living and active community that is totally devoted to you and totally devoted to one another. And that as we live this way, those around us would be impacted. We would see the gospel proclaimed. We would see lives transformed we would see people turn to you. We would see our suburbs become more the way you want them to be. And Lord, particularly in this day and age in the outer eastern suburbs of Melbourne, when we are more and more going to come under attack and persecution and be pushed to the edges of relevancy and at the edges of what society needs. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be strong, to live the church every day. Help us to love one another the way you have loved us. Help us to be your people in this place, in this point in history, for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to go out singing the everyday song. You couldn't go past everyday song because we're talking about everyday church. Uh, it's a bit more upbeat, stand up, and we're going to sing this song, um, worshipping God and declaring uh, who we are in him. So let's stand and sing.